The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What up, Grizz Nation? You're tuned in to the Hoop Ball Grizz podcast. Isaac Simpson with you, and you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. And with me is my partner in crime, the man, the myth, the legend, David Williams. And you can find him on Twitter at DWill211. David, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. Good. A lot better than last show. Last show, I couldn't hardly walk from the leg day, but uh, it's, it's been a, a week since then, so I'm fully functioning just to uh, probably destroy my quads again going into tomorrow. So we'll see. Yeah, man, man, getting into the gym, man. When, like, like you said, man, when you first get in there, man, it could be, could be tough on you, man, but you, you gradually gain and it, and it gets better for you, man. I know I got to get back in there myself, but uh, we're continuing our draft coverage today with a very special guest. You can find his work at Viceland, V-I-S-E-L-A-N-D, on Twitter as well as YouTube, and on his personal account at NBA Draft, Mikey V. Mike Weisenberg, how are you, sir? Doing very well, Isaac. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, thanks for taking a little time to join us today. Uh, he was telling us before we jumped on here that uh, he actually, before the pandemic, came down to Memphis. He's actually based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, has friends that work with the organization, went to a couple of games, so that was nice to hear, so he's... Been in our fair city, man. So, a uh, guy from the West Coast, uh, taking in a little Memphis. Did you get a little barbecue while you were down here? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Got yeah, some man. barbecue, went to the zoo, went to oh, uh, man. Bass Pro Shop Pyramid. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I was a real tourist. Yeah, yeah man. I was yeah, definitely, man. definitely walking down Beale quite a bit. Yeah, great time. Yeah, good stuff, man. Definitely some, some great places to go when you come here to the city. Uh, but before we get into anything else, man, tell us a little bit about Viceland. So Viceland is a podcast that I do with my brother, and it was just something I had wanted to do for a really long time. We had wanted to do, um, and we just talk about basketball. We talk about a bevy of different subjects and a lot of focus on the draft and past prospects and uh, potential as well. Plus stuff I, I see when uh, I'm out doing some stuff for uh, Perspective Insight, which is where I have a, a lot of my work as well. Yeah, man, you definitely check them out at NBA Draft Mikey V and at Viceland on Twitter, man. Always, always great work from him. Uh, every, every year, man, you you always hear commentary on whether this is a bad draft class, is a good draft class, and I always push back on that because, man, there are always going to be good players in every draft. Some guys are, are going to surprise and outperform. Some guys are going to disappoint and so on and so forth. Uh, there are years where there's more star power at the top, but uh, obviously in, in – Obviously, there's some years where there's more star power at the top. But in Mike Weisenberg's opinion, how would you classify this year's draft class and the depth of it? Yeah, I would always say I'm with you, Isaac. I feel like every draft class is going to have some good players. Like you even look back to a terrible draft. Like one of the worst is the year 2000. And there were still some very valuable players that came out of that draft as well. Um, but yeah, like, you know, as far as star power at the top, I think this draft has it. And then as far as a lot of intriguing bets and, um, some great, like potential upside, you know, kind of, uh, probabilities and, and then just some, some really good, uh, rotation gambles as well. I I think this is a a really good draft for that. So yeah, I I really have liked this draft. I've liked scouting it and I, Think that um, you know you had a lot of players in the NCAA living up to the hype and uh, coming out with good freshman years. I thought the G League Ignite guys that were at the top of the draft both showed a lot of promise, and then um, some really interesting international players as well. So yeah, I, I quite like this draft. And last year was supposed to be kind of like you know a down year, and you yeah. saw some great rookie performances. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of promise even. Uh, in what was supposed to be a, a, a kind of a bad draft last yeah. year. Um, and then I think this one certainly has the potential to be even better. Okay, Cunningham is the consensus number one pick in the draft, obviously. And it's it's easy to, to understand why, with the skills that he brings to the table at that size. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Cade and just how high is his ceiling? Yeah, well, Cade, I, I think um, there, there's just there's a lot to like with him. And he has the the size that you're looking for in, uh, I would say, like even possibly like a small ball four, but he's likely going to be running a team. Um, He certainly has 
the ability to make pretty much every kind of pass out there. Um, you know, I, I think that was kind of like the the lazy, you know, weakness of his this year was having the negative assist to turnover ratio. Go and look at the Oklahoma State team and you'll see how many players had like even worse like turnover um, yeah. percentages than Kate Cunningham. It was kind of a mess as far as spacing. Um, and, and then the, the thing that Cade did that I think was quite surprising and, and was kind of like the major knock on him going in was his consistency as a shooter. And I, I think people thought he was going to be a, a good shooter, but he was great. And, yeah. you know, just his ability to score at the end of games, his ability to get to the basket, get to the free throw line, um, handle the ball. Uh, which is something I, I think that he needs to even further work on. Um, but yeah, he is somebody that I, I think um, is going to be at the very worst, like somebody that kind of changes around your franchise um, and just a, a great building block. Um, and then at the best, he, he's, you know, one of the top couple players on a contending team. Yeah, when you look at that assist to turnover ratio, I think when you have a guy that, that had the ball in his hands as much as he did and you're the guy that the opposing defense is key in on, you got, you got to turn the ball over a lot. But, I mean, for you just don't see guys at that size that can handle the basketball the way he does. And you talk about his shooting. That was kind of what people were concerned about going into his freshman year at, at Oklahoma State. And like you said, I mean, I think he far surpassed anybody's expectations there. I mean, really did a good job of shooting the basketball. So I think the world of him, I think he's going to be a, a fantastic uh, pick for deep for Detroit. And I think you have some Detroit people saying, can he fit with Killian Hayes? And, and they're kind of worried about that. But I think with him, I think he's so good. You don't worry about that. And, and like you said, that size, he's a guy, I think he could play the one, two, three, even some really small ball four. So I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. I think he's a plug and play guy and he could fit in anywhere. Uh, but again, we're talking with Mikey Weisenberg here, vice yeah. uh, here on the Hoopball Grizz podcast. Uh, there's not much debate, if any, uh, with who goes number one. But starting at pick two, there's some different opinions. Some folks, people think that the Rockets should go with big man out of USC, Evan Mobley, and some think they should go Jalen Green. Man, who do you have on your board at number two and, and why? Yeah, I, I would have Evan Mobley. And my reasoning behind that is I, I think that I, I know that bigs are kind of devalued now, but I just think that much like Cade Cunningham, like Evan Mobley is intensely scalable and he's somebody that can play like either big position yeah. and is not going to get run off the court in like small ball lineups. He, he's somebody who's very switchable and um, makes really quick decisions, has shooting potential um, and it is somebody that should be very good around the basket as well. So, yeah, I, I just think he's kind of a really special big man prospect and um, has a chance to be among like the upper echelon of, of big men. Um, and then also like, you know, make it really tough for other teams to stop him um, in terms of a matchup. Um, yeah. With his ability to play either the four of the five spot. Um, I, I think he's going to thrive as a center, honestly, like in the, the new landscape of the NBA and my, my, thing is like I think Jalen Green is somebody who has immense scoring potential and I watched every G League Ignite game and he, he was he was really good um but I think that even with his scoring ability I'm not exactly sure that just that factor is going to have you know the all-around capabilities of what Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley bring to um, both sides of the ball, um, and so in terms of impact, I, I just feel like Evan Mobley's is likely to be greater. Um, so yeah, that's why I have him at, at number two, and that's who I would choose if I were the Houston Rockets. But um, I'm not, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I've heard some talk that they might be leaning Jalen Green, but I think, and some people ask, well. How does he fit next to Christian Wood? But like you said, I think he's valuable. I think he can play the four or the five. I think you can play those guys together. Uh, the way that he can move and, and, and the fluidity that he plays with at seven foot, I think it, it's something that you don't see all the time. So I don't think there's, again, the same kind of with Kate Cunningham and you talk about Killian Hayes. I think the same thing with Mobley and Wood. I think you can play those guys together. And I think 
I think there's kind of a line between, after Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley. Not not a big line, but I think there is a little bit of a drop off between him and Jalen Green. I think Evan Mobley is the better prospect uh, long term, and I, and I love Jalen Green. That's not knocking him mm-hmm. at all. But I, I think if I'm the Rockets, I'm with you. I think I go Evan Mobley. Uh, but w- when you look at the international prospects in this draft, uh, the three at the top are obviously Josh Giddy out of Australia, uh, Alperin Singun out of Turkey, and Usman Garuba from Spain. Uh, who is Mike Weisenberg's favorite international prospect in this draft? Yeah, I would go Josh Giddy. I, I just think that there's a lot to like there. Um, I, his agent says that he's six foot nine now, but it, you know, I, I think at the least he's six foot eight. But the ability to handle the ball, pass the ball, yeah, um, at least has some shooting potential. And what he did um, just this year in the NBL in Australia was really impressive. There, there have been a lot of comparisons between his season this year and that of Lamella Ball. I think Lamelo had a bit more self-creation and a bit more scoring chops. But Josh Giddy is just somebody who I, I think there's a theme here is very scalable and is, is somebody that can handle the ball, can j- just be on the floor as uh, a possible linking piece. And he's somebody that I think is going to have a, a really nice effect in the NBA with his size and his skill set. Yeah, Giddy is one of my favorite prospects in the draft overall. Uh, like you said, 6'8", six, 6'9". Just the floor vision uh, that he has is just elite. I mean, some of the passes that he makes, you're just jaw-dropping. Um, and I, I just think he's another one of the guys that's kind of like Cade and Evan that we, we talked about. I don't think he's a guy that necessarily has to be on the ball. I think long-term he may project as a secondary ball handler. But I, I think – and I don't I don't have any thoughts that he's going to make it to 17. But I, I've talked with, with a lot of Grizz fans about him, and they're like, how does he fit with Ja? I think they, they could play together because I think you could play – him on the ball and, and Jock can play out the ball, give him a rest a little bit, or you could put Jock on the ball and him off the ball at times. And I think he's a guy that can be kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy, kind of off the bench that can do some different things for you. Uh, I, I just love him as a player, and, I mean, he's fun to watch. I mean, the, the, the thing that kind of people kind of worry about with him is his shooting. Does does his shooting worry you at all? Yeah, he, it doesn't have, like, the best indicators, but I, I feel like he's a hard worker, and it – did gradually improve throughout the season to the point where you're like, well, this is something that he could possibly do. And shooting also to me is a skill that can definitely be improved. Like you look through most NBA players careers and they do become gradually better shooters. Definitely. Now it's just, you know, you don't want it to be to the point where you're worried about him defensively and he's not bringing you anything on offense. But I, I really don't think that's the biggest concern with him because as you said, he's a fantastic passer and um, yeah, like, you know, he just has some skills that should keep him on the floor and uh, should keep teams very happy with having him either as a primary ball handler, but I I think you're right. Like he could be very good next to um, somebody who is a primary and just be that great secondary option. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the positive that he, positives that he brings to the table definitely outweigh some of the negatives. And I think, like you said, shooting is something that can be improved on. And I think with his work ethic, I, don't, I think that he'll improve as a shooter. And I think we've seen it. It is weird that a lot of times you look at guys' international numbers shooting-wise and, and they get to the NBA and they're a lot better. Luka Doncic's numbers from three weren't great or overseas, and you see what he's doing. So I think I, I think there's some potential there. I mean, the, the free throw shoot numbers aren't great, and that's kind of an indicator that a lot of mm-hmm. people usually – look at for, for three-point shooting, but I, I think that's somewhere he can improve. Uh, Sengun is, is another guy that I really like. Man, won the MVP of the Turkish League at 18 years old. I mean, extremely skilled, man. What, what do you think about him? Yeah, he's somebody that I, I'm really – it's kind of tough to get a gauge on because for all the comparisons that he gets, he still is kind of like this – he's not necessarily like a modern-day center. He's kind of that throwback. Yeah. But at the same time, the production, like, you know, there's a lot to like there. And the fact that he was this productive in a league as good as uh, the Turkish Basketball League um, and him winning MVP of that league. And there's there's certainly like, you know, there is some explosiveness around the rim. There is some of that passing ability. The shooting with him, like, is 
while he did shoot well from the free throw line, like he just has a very limited sample as an outside shooter. And that didn't seem to be something that he really focused on. Um, so yeah, like the Kevin Love comparisons, I feel are like a bit much because Kevin was like shooting threes in high yeah. school and at UCLA. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see exactly like just how high Shengun ends up going. Um, but I think like I'm it more and more, I'm thinking to myself, like usually in, in every draft, there's usually about 20 or 25 guys who end up being like, you know, good rotation players or have like pretty lengthy NBA careers. It's really hard for me to see him not being one of those guys. Yeah, man, I, I like him. I think he's extremely skilled, high IQ. And I think at 18 years old, his post game is pretty advanced. I mean, you usually don't see guys, especially coming from Europe, that advanced in the post. Um, and it, not a big sample size on the shooting, but I think he'll be a guy that can can knock down three-pointers. I don't know if he's going to be Kevin Love, like you said, in some of those comparisons. But I think he'll he's a guy that can, that'll be able to, to stretch the floor a little bit. I mean, doesn't have much of a mid-range game. It's kind of weird. It's kind of inside and, and then – some, some three-pointers that's pretty much yeah. you don't really see anything in the middle of the floor so that's going to be something to see if he can can advance that part of his game but i mean i think he's an in, intriguing prospect we'll see where he goes i mean there's some mocks that have him in the middle of, of the draft there's some that have him up in the lottery so we'll we'll see where he pans out but i have a feeling he's gonna go in the lottery yeah yeah because i mean most most of them in the top 10 um I, I see a lot of a lot of mocks having him but he's an intriguing prospect to me because i think he has some skills that uh, that that'll definitely be interesting to to watch develop. Uh, but if you had to put a put pick one player, uh, widely projected to go in a lottery that that may slip, who would said player B? Yeah, th- that was a great question. And every year it happens. You know, like every year you have like eighteen players for fourteen spots. Um, but I I'm thinking it's Corey Kispert. And I, I just, I know he's been slotted in the lottery, I think, for like a majority of the year. And he was a first team All American, had the, I, I don't know if he hit 50, 40, 90, but he was like really close. Yeah, real close, if not. Um, and he, yeah, like he, he's somebody that he, he's from Washington and gets comparisons to Joe Harris quite a bit. Um, one thing I, I will say, as we saw with Joe Harris, is when his shot wasn't falling, there wasn't yeah. a lot. He was doing yeah. very well for the Brooklyn yeah. Nets. In the finals, and yeah, it was really I think we saw kind of the same thing with Corey Kispert, like, you know, uh, in the Final Four. So, um, yeah, I, I there's certainly still value there. And he is, you know, very projectable with his shooting. Um, and it like is a pretty big guy as well. He's a you know legit six foot seven. Um, so yeah, I I just have a feeling that maybe he was kind of projected a bit higher than he ends up going. Um, he still did get a green room invite to the NBA draft, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like you know just outside of the lottery. But I'm growing kind of like more towards the notion that he won't end up being in the lottery. Yeah, he, he's a guy. Uh, I was going to say he's a guy that me and David have discussed a lot. A lot of Grizz fans are kind of hoping he slips to seventeen, but we we agree with you wholeheartedly. We've kind of talked about that that one dimensional uh, player that I think he kind of projects to be. It. I mean, he's a elite shooter. I, I don't think there's any doubt that his shooting is going to translate. But the other things that the foot speed will he be able to guard? I think those are kind of the questions. Yeah, I was just going to. Ch- chime in real quick. He missed the 50, yeah, 40, 90 free throw percentage was 88%. So, but uh, still almost I mean, there. It, that, that's yeah. He, he was, uh, he was not far from it for sure. Yeah. And he, and he ends up hitting 180, right, David? Like, cause that's usually, you know, the, the number everybody's trying to go towards, but yeah, he like, he was like something like 53% from two from the field and 44% from three. Uh yeah, uh, fifty fifty two point nine from the field and forty four from three. <laughs> right on. I w- I was point one off. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. We'll we'll take it, man. Close enough. <laughs> well, man, there, there's a few prospects, man. I'd like to discuss, and and, and some my co-hosts. I know my co-hosts would be interested in this first one and your insight there. But James Boknight, uh, six four, hundred ninety pound sophomore out of UConn. Uh, what what do you like about him, and and what would be some of the dislikes? Yeah. 
his ability, like he took on this huge self-creation um, this year at UConn, and, and he has a lot of talent as a scorer. Um, his ability as a cutter really stands out as well. Um, I, I, I would say a pretty high-level athlete, um, a little lack of, of functional strength, but still, you know, ended up getting to the free throw line quite a bit. Um, has some potential, at least as a ball handler. I would like a bit more of him, like as a playmaker, decision maker, but um, or a bit more from him. But uh, and and also the the shooting. Um, he ends up, I think, at twenty nine percent. Twenty nine percent, yeah. Uh, but I, I think there's at least like a, a good amount of potential there uh I, I think he was on ball so much and he just had to take all of these tough shots so i think maybe a, a spread out floor in the nba could uh really work well for him and yeah just a, a lot of potential as a scorer and uh and even like he's i i think a, a pretty um at least has a, a chance to be a decent defender as well so yeah i i see him being a, a likely lottery guy. And I, I know that he had been kind of around the possible to slip out of the lottery range, yeah. but it, it seems more and more like uh, teams are, are settling in on him being like um, a likely lottery pick. Yeah. My, my co-host David's a, a big fan of his. And I, I was going to say, I wish he was like a couple inches taller, but I was kind of surprised, man, a six, four, but a six, eight wingspan. I, I didn't think he was that, long so that yeah. kind of surprised me so that's 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 pretty good uh but i think it, that's, it's fine like uh, honestly that that's like a pretty average shooting guard in the nba yeah man i think i think that helps some of my thoughts on, on him being a little bit shorter i think that helps his defensive potential uh but the next guy uh that, that i want to talk with i'm sure you're very familiar with uh being a, a university of oregon alum and it's uh he's my favorite prospect or candidate for the grizzlies realistic candidate at 17 uh, six six hundred ninety pound shooting guard, Chris Duarte, and uh, tell people why I'm right and he's the next Clay Thompson. No, I'm just just joking, man. But tell, <laughs> tell people what, what your thoughts on on Duarte. What what do you like and what do you dislike? Well, let me just say that if he is next Clay Thompson, I will be doing backflips. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I really liked Chris Duarte the past few years um, at Oregon. He was fantastic. Um, even in his first year when he wasn't shooting very well, there were just a lot of other things he was doing, like his ability to play off the ball. Um, and then, you know, he creates some space for himself while he's on it. Uh, always has been a really good defender too. And like, just has shown flashes ability to, to play the passing lanes has all of these like athletic chase down blocks that he gets. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that he is that likely plug and play kind of wing where, uh, and and then this year, you know, he shot exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, was able to do things off of the bounce, was able to do things just moving off the ball. Uh, and he had like a, a pretty high, like self-creation load as well. And was, uh, I'm pretty sure a consensus second team All-American. Um, yeah. He, I, I thought was fantastic this year. I know that the age concerns are brought up yeah. every game that he ever played at Oregon. <laughs> um, but he is somebody that, I, like, I, I think along those lines is um, somebody that you could really see is that 3 and D wing who could do maybe a little bit more as um, a secondary playmaker as well. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just think there's a, a really good chance that he could step right in and, and give you some good minutes at the two or the three spot. Yeah, being 24 years old, that's kind of the, the knock that people that don't like him take. I mean, if he was 18, 19 years old, he'd be a lottery pick, no yeah. doubt. Uh, but, I mean, just doesn't really have a weakness. Uh, like you said, big guard at 6'6", so brings nice size there. Moves really well without the basketball, which is a skill that I always look at with wings. He's really good there. And the intensity that he plays with in the drive, I mean, that's something that you can't really teach. Always plays really hard. I mean, and defensively, and a lot of times when you have these guys that are kind of put in a box of a score or a shooter, they don't play defense as well. But, I mean, he can do it on on both ends. And I just think yeah. when you look at 17, I mean, there's a, a train of thought where you want to take a swing and get a guy that that has potential long-term. And I, But I think Duarte kind of takes the guesswork out of it. I think when you take him, you know at minimum you're getting a solid rotation player. And I think what he has already shown and proven, I think, is – good enough and that's kind of why he's my favorite pick 
for the Grizzlies if he's there at 17 because I just think you know what you're getting. You know he's going to be a guy, like you said, plug and play that can step in and play for you immediately. And when you're a playoff team, that, that can really help um, a, a guy that can just come in and play. And I think he projects as a 3 and D wing, and the Grizzlies need more size on the wing because they have a lot of – a lot of guys, but they're all kind of on the smaller side. With them being 6'6", six, yeah. six, I think that kind of kind of fits in with them there. Uh, the, the last guy I want to discuss is another Pac-12 guy. Um, he's 6'4", 215-pound freshman out of Arizona State, uh, Josh Christopher. He's actually come in for the Grizzlies for a workout. He has a lot of fans here uh, among Grizz Nation. What, what, what do you like about him, and, and what are some of the dislikes? Josh is a tank. Um, that, that's something you definitely like about him. His ability to score in transition has always been there. Um, really strong player. And he has some self-creation ability as well. And, you know, like showed some really good things, um, in terms of, uh, his pull-up game uh, during his time at Arizona state, that team was kind of a mess and, uh, <laughs> it, it just, to like, say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they, they were, they were one of my most disappointing teams. Like just in, in terms of talent, like they had it. Yeah, just, they they should have been much better. Um, and I, I, you know, and obviously Josh got hurt and didn't play very many games, but he was somebody that I always liked at the high school level. Um, his ability to score just it was always something that stood out. Uh, has some defensive potential too, and is like just really strong for a two guard. Um, and yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised at all if Josh ends up being like a, a first round pick. Um, it, I I'm thinking probably late first, but he didn't have the, the best freshman season and left you concerned in terms of like, you know, the fact that his assisted turnover ratio wasn't very good. Um, it didn't shoot very well from long range, but he is somebody that I just think with with that body, with his ability to to score uh, around the basket, and um, with his potential as a pull up shooter, those are all real positives and th- things that you could just see in like a, a scoring guard off of the bench, like be, being a, a really good factor for your team. Yeah, I really like him. I don't know if he's a, a guy that I take at seventeen. I mean, he's a guy of. The Grizzlies decide to, to possibly trade down or pick up another pick in late first, early second. He's there. I love him. I think out of the guys in that range, if you're talking late first, early second, I think upside, he might be, if not the best, he's one of the best guys that could outperform their draft position. Because, I mean, like you said, you see a lot of a lot of things that are like. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to come in year one, really have an impact. And the Grizzlies are, have this M.O. of kind of taking – older guys, was you talking about Brandon Clark or, or Xavier Tillman or Desmond Bain, but this year, I mean, yeah. there's right now, unless they make some moves, there's not a lot of minutes and, and spots for a rookie, so I mean, they, they can have time to wait. There's a guy that they can send down to South Haven with the Memphis Hustle and kind of groom down there and see what you have, but I, I like him, and I think he's a good prospect, and, and a lot of people like him here. I, I just don't know if I would take him at 17 if that's where, where they were selecting him, uh, but when you look at this draft, who are some, some sleeper guys or, or some guys in the second round that, that you really like? I would say a, a couple that come to mind. I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl is somebody that I've always thought could be, you know, a potential, like, good four guy. Um, I just have always liked the way that he sees the game, uh, his basketball IQ. He's just somebody that I think brings leadership, brings communication on the floor. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I've seen fewer and fewer mock drafts have him as a first round pick, but I, I think he's another player that could just be a, a really solid second round pick. Um, Aaron Henry is another player that comes to mind. Uh, just he's the, the three wasn't necessarily there, but the defense, the passing ability, his ability as a ball handler, um, so yeah, those are just a, a couple guys, like just off the top of my head that I like as second round picks. Um, but yeah, I, I think there are certainly going to be like some players that slip there. Kessler Edwards is somebody that I've yeah. always thought like, you know, it's it somebody that is a worthwhile gamble too, and, uh, could slip to the second round. He went to Pepperdine, um, during his four year or three year career there, he shot, um, 39.5% from three um, and is just a, a really great 
brings some good defensive versatility, makes great rotations. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, that, that shooting profile on a, a really good sample size. So, yeah, those are just a few guys off the top of my head. Who are some of the guys you, you like in the second round? Like, I, I'd love to know. Yeah, and real quick, man, two of your guys, Robinson Earl and uh, Kessler Edwards, uh, Derek Murray, our last guest, we, we asked him the same question, and those are two of the guys, that, uh, the three that he likes, so you guys are no kind of on, on the same same wavelength there. Uh, in the second round, uh, Josh Primo was a guy that's extremely young, uh, 18 years old, might be the Canadian youngest guy. player. Yeah, might, might be the, the youngest player in the, in the draft, yeah, out of Canada, uh, played down in Alabama as a guy that I think has a lot of potential. I mean, it, you just see – the length, the, the wingspan at, at 6'5", 6'9", 6'4", 6'9", wingspan. Uh, just the defensive potential there. I think the potential to guard, one, two, three, maybe even some really small ball four. I, I, it's going to take a while with him. There's no doubt about that. He's not going to be a plug-and-play guy, a guy that gives you anything for the first couple of years. But I think long-term, I think I really, really like his potential. And I think he's a guy that you can look up four or five years down the line. You're like, why was this guy a, a second-round pick if he dropped there? Now, he's been moving up boards possibility i think yeah. he might even go in late first right now but that's that's a guy that i that i, that I really like uh david you yeah got, I, think, I i think he's going first round man yeah I, I mean i think you know my my second round guy has been pretty well the same all along and that's a joe lae i i feel go. like to see the best of him at gonzaga <laughs> he took a back seat willingly to you know uh, uh suggs and kispert and, and I think, I truly believe that he could be the best player out of Gonzaga in this draft. And people wow. look at me crazy. They're like, better than Suggs? <laughs> and, like, I know. Like, I'm aware of what Suggs done, and I know what is what he brings to the table. And I'm not implying that I think Suggs is going to be a bust by any stretch. Yeah. But if you go back, and, and I did not do this until I talked to uh, Raphael Barlow about this. I went oh, back cool. and watched um, – watch film of AI on the French national team. And when he's the guy in, in the offense, he is electric, man. Like he, he played extremely well. And I, I think it was, it was either 18 or 19 U tournament that had team yeah. USA had Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, like all of these guys that are at the top of this draft. Yeah, that's and, and AI was, was one of the best players in that uh, tournament. So I, I really think that he's going to end up going in the second round and somebody's going to get a steal on him, and that is, I'm I'm not sold on Kispert. I don't think, I think that he's going to stay in the NBA because he can shoot. And if you can yeah. shoot, you know, JJ Reddick can't even spell defense, and he's what a 14, 15 year veteran. You know, you, you don't have to play defense in this league if you can knock down shots. And I think that is what Kispert is going to be. Could very well be eating crow later on, but I, I just I do not believe in him at all. I like okay. if you. If I had a choice at 17 between AI and Kispert, I'm taking I, AI 100 <laughs> times out of 100, bro. 100 Man. times out of 100. I don't hate the take. <laughs> what I will say is the U19s is as, as valuable of a scouting opportunity as it is. These guys play like radically different positions and like a, sure. a different level. Um, so I, I, I have a really tough time, like, seeing Joel Ayayi, like, killing it at the U19s and saying, like, oh, he's going to have that same role in the NBA uh, as compared to, like, what he did at Gonzaga. But the things that you loved about him at Gonzaga, like, he was a fantastic rebounder for his mm -hmm. size. So, like, nose for the ball. Really good playing off the ball as well, like a great cutter. Um, and then has some defensive ability as a guard as well. Um, so, yeah, I... I I've always liked Joel Aie as well. Um, I I think that he could be a, a really good complementary player, and then maybe bring like some of those similar skills from U19s. But yeah, I, I see him as more of that complementary piece. And and uh, but yeah, there there's a chance that he could play that role really well. I do have a hard time believing that he will be better than Jalen Suggs. But um, the Kispert versus Aie discussion, I. I I'm there for that. I, I I like that take. And I know I know that there's gonna have to be like I realize there's gonna have to be growth, right? Because right now head to head, Suggs is better than AI. I'm not implying that, but I, I just I like his skill set. I like what he is able to do. And also, you know, I'm aware like the, the FIBA stuff is kind of tough because Patty Mills kind of looks like Prime Jordan. 
<laughs> whenever he plays for you <laughs> basketball. Always so, have, like, man. Always <laughs> I mean, I, I know that, uh, that's, you know, sometimes you, you get uh, a little more freedom over there. There's a lot of different roles, but I, I just, I like whenever I was watch, going back and watching that film, I was like, man, this guy, you know, you, you can watch certain guys and, and I go back to, I feel like it was three years ago. When when did Devonte Graham have his breakout season for the Hornets? That was the nineteen twenty season, right? Yeah, it, it yeah. was last year. Yeah. So I watched him in preseason against the Grizzlies, and he was torching the Grizzlies. And I told my son right then, I'm like, this kid is gonna he like, I don't know that he's gonna be an all star, but he's gonna have a heck of a year. You could just see the difference in speed, the, his ability to get to the basket, like he manipulated the defense exactly where he wanted it so he could get to his spot and you can watch film with AI and kind of see some of the same things although the level of competition is clearly different so you know that that's you always have to take that into uh into consideration but I I just he is one guy you know I, I feel like I've done this since I've been diving into the draft there's been one guy that I just I watch film and I absolutely love that person and AI is the guy for me that's cool. And I, one thing with Devonte, like that, I think it may be a little bit different with Joel Ayayi, is um, he like he was a great three point shooter at Kansas, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I think that the those percentages and th- and that's been like a huge part of his NBA role too. And yeah. he's like he's been one of those guys who's had a really tough time like scoring inside the paint. Um, whereas I think Joel Ayayi always was pretty like you know great inside the two-point range so yeah slightly different but I, I see where you're coming from and uh in them possibly like knowing their roles and really uh excelling yeah i know, I know we're running a little bit longer but a few more guys i want to get in oh, before absolutely. we no, yeah before I, we I, get I'm off of here and, and i want to go back a little bit uh franz wagner is a guy that i, I wasn't a big fan of i was you see <laughs> these mock drafts and he's going top 10 and i'm wondering why yeah, he's going top people, 10 yeah and, I, and <laughs> i'm wondering why people like him so much and we've has lots of guests. I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people love him, so I continue to watch tape on him. And and I think I've kind of done a 180 on him. I think his his defensive potential was a lot better than that I saw when, when I watched him live and watching film. What, what are your thoughts on Wagner? Yeah, I I think the what always was the upside with him was that he was somebody who who was quite scalable as well. Um, you know, like a combo forward, good passer, had shooting potential. And then defensively, like, you know, really knows his stuff. Plus, he was, um, like, really young as a freshman. And, uh, like, he's younger than some of the freshmen in the draft this year. Like, he, I think he's a month or so younger than even, like, Scotty Barnes. And, um, yeah, so I, I think that that's kind of the upside with him. Um, and I have heard that there's, like, no way he's going past Sacramento. So, um, yeah, it, it seems like he's... Really, most of draft Twitter like loved Franz Wagner throughout the year, or even going into this year, and um, they they just like the fact that he's a, a wing, somebody with wing potential who you could play in the playoffs and can hold his own on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I I, I definitely see that now. I watching him live, like I said, watching Michigan throughout the year, I just didn't really get it. But watching yeah. the ball on film, I mean, six eight, six nine. Uh, a legit guy with, with wing skills that can shoot the basketball. I think he only shot 34%, but I think he's a better shooter than that. I think you'll see that in yeah. the NBA. I mean, I think he, I mean, he's a complete player. I, I think his defense will translate, and that's something that I really hadn't seen, and I, I think he's going to be really, really good defensively. Now, going back uh, to the second-round guys, uh, Renz Weinberg is a international prospect, uh, a guy out of, out of Belgium, uh, 6'11", not a big. Uh, he is a 6'11", guard, legit guard skills uh, what, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, now I know you talked to Rafael Barlow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Grenz, uh, he's, he's an intriguing guy. Like he, It seems like he has a lot of the same skill set that uh, Alexei Pokashevsky was bringing last year. Not yeah. necessarily that level of like fluidity or athleticism, but somebody that you know can stretch the floor, good passer, can handle the ball like with that size and um like I, i've listened to the interviews with him as well like you know outstanding personality it seems like he's going in and uh really impressing a lot of uh the nba teams that he's worked out for sometimes and he managed to a, a lot of people a lot of the international players like um 
early entry guys pulled out of the draft yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, Rams yeah. kept his name in. So, yeah, there must be something going right there. And, um, yeah, like, you know, I, I know Raphael was really early on him. Um, he was a player, like, I had even heard about, like, going a, a couple drafts back now um, that, where there was always intrigue. But, yeah, now I, I think people are really seeing a role for him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been going all over with the workouts. He came in for the Grizzlies a couple of weeks ago, but it seems like he's been all over. He's very active on social media, actually uh, talking with people and, and responding. So he, he seems like a pretty pretty cool guy. He seems to be excited yeah. to talk oh, about sure. how much he, he loves being over here in the state. So he's a fun player, man. I think he'd be a really intriguing prospect if, if he was there for the Grizzlies at 51. I don't think he'll be there. I think the intrigue has grown now to the point where I think he'll go a little bit earlier than that, but I would love to see him end up in a, in a Grizzlies uniform. Uh, but but the last guy that, that I want to ask you about, yeah. <laughs> but but the last guy that I want to ask you about is uh, kind of a polarizing prospect, uh, National College Player of the Year, Luca Garza, who's projected Ooh. to go late in the second round. Man, I, I like him, and I've said that for the Grizzlies, if he's there at fifty-one, I would like him. Now I've got a lot of pushback on that, and I'm saying, man, if you can get a guy at fifty-one that you feel like is going to stick in the league, is going to be able to carve out a role, then I think you're happy with that, and I think he's that guy. I know the potentials. Not that high. I mean, the foot speed, will he be able to guard? But I think supposedly he's dropped some weight. I mean, he could really shoot the basketball at 6'11". I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have a pretty long career in the NBA. What are your thoughts on Garza? All right. I have a lot. Um, <laughs> Good. First off, I like the, like the work ethic, the intangibles, like those things very positive. Yeah. Garza and, you know, Obviously, the past two years, he's been one of the best players in college basketball. The translation is something I I'm, have a much tougher time with just because I, I think that he is, like, at best, a not very good defender. Um, and then also, like, while he is, like, near 6'11 and everything like that, he, I, and I, I don't want to say that this is definite, like, his standing reach because I know how often the combine is off with standing reaches and I can point out a few where like, I know for sure that they are. Um, but he, he measured in at eight eleven and a half. Now the average NBA center is nine foot two. You look at, um, the two centers who are in the NBA finals, um, Brooke Lopez, Deandre Ayton, they're both around nine foot five. So Luca Garza is giving up like that amount of, length uh, and uh and standing reach to like tons of centers in the nba so that that's having a tough time scoring against them down low and then defensively then you look at the, like this the foot speed and and the vertical like he measured last in both standing vert and max vert at the nba draft combine now let's say his standing reach is off by like a couple inches that means he's last by a couple more inches yeah. with him having lost all of that weight. And then he, I think he was like last in um, the sprinting by like 0.16 uh, milliseconds. Wow. Uh, so yeah, like I think the athlete, the athleticism threshold that if you go back and you look at like centers who are, who um, have been kind of bad and like, the NBA draft combine athleticism, they either don't really work out or they're enormous. Like Brooke Lopez, enormous. Nikola Vucevic, enormous. Um, so yeah, like <laughs> I think that that's where I'm I'm just I'm not exactly sure about Garza's role. And then if he's just like a big man who's stretching the floor, like is he going to do that well enough where you're not worried about what he brings on the defensive? end of the floor so that's why I, i'm a bit concerned about luca garza now do you just kind of like roll with what he's done in college and say like oh like you know this is possibly translatable like that that could be as well but yeah I, i'm really not exactly sure like what you think or what like people who are high on luca garza kind of think his role is going to be and the people that i have talked to who like are high on him I think have very unrealistic um, kind of takes on what his role is going to be. So I, I'm just wondering what you feel like his role would be and why you feel like that would be valuable to the Grizzlies. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't necessarily think he's going to be like a, a a big time player or really be a, a major piece. I just think when when you pick it at fifty one, I, I know that you could say, "Oh well, if you take it fifty one, that's where you should take a a swing on the upside." To to me, I just think at fifty one, I think he's one of the safest guys you can take there. I I think he'll be a guy that can come in and, and knock down some shots for you at times. I don't think he's going to – anything beyond that, I, I think, like you said, the shortcomings are just too much athletically. I don't know if he'll be able to, to guard. So he's not going to guy that's going to come in and play major minutes. I just think he's going to be one of those guys, smart, high IQ, can knock down shots at, at 6'11", that'll just stick around. And I think if, at 51, if you can get a guy like that, I think that's a, a positive. But yeah. uh, that's, 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 that's kind, of, kind of my thoughts on that. Again, I, I'm not on any misnomer. He's going to be a – guy that's going to get major minutes or be the guy he was in college and come in and score 18 points for you, anything like that. I think those people that take that, I think they're thinking about too much, put too much expectations on him. But. No, I, I, think I, 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 I absolutely like understand that um, kind of like thinking about his role in the NBA. Like he is a, a guy who like, I think from the start is likely going to play like most like 12, 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, my other thing with him is like he wasn't really like a high level decision maker or passer. And like, you know, you look at a guy like Frank Kaminsky, who like he was dominant his last couple years at Wisconsin, not necessarily up to Garza's level, but his team was better. And um, he, he was a great passer and, uh, you know, could handle the ball a bit as well. So, yeah, the, the, those are just a, a few of the things where I, I'm kind of uh, I I. I understand people not being incredibly high on Luca Garza as an NBA prospect. Yeah, I think like matchup dependent role player would be a good label for him. Yeah, exactly. The Grizzlies play Brandon Clark at the five some, right? And so if you're matching up against a, a Rudy Gobert or a Nikola yeah, Jokic or Vucevic, like they're going to destroy Brandon Clark because he's not strong enough. He just doesn't have it. And and I think Garza would be a guy like into the bench guy that could match up yeah. better but against he, some of those dude, bigs. Are, What's are that? you sure? Because I mean, he'll, he'll, be better, he'll, he'll be better. He'll be better than Brandon Garza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like it's not a guarantee. Like he's just yeah. he's a bigger frame, right? Yeah. And, and no, so, he's, he's bigger than Brandon Clark for sure. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I think that, like, that that kind of thought of like being better than Brandon Clark. But again, like Hold on, like did I'm you just say he just said he's better than Brandon Clark? <laughs> and Jokic and Garza. Like, it's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, I would just, like, I was using those guys as big body centers, right? You know, yeah, some yeah. of the guys, some of the other yeah, guys that play the five. about Garza. Like, I, yeah. I, he, he's considered big bodied. Right. And I'm not sure if he's, like, up to the, the size of some of these other players. And, and you, you may be right. And that that's, you know, the Grizzlies already have a non-athletic big man playing the five in JV. And so having a backup in the same, you know, like there's not, I I see kind of the pushback that people give Isaac because of that. Like you already have, why why do you want it? But I see Isaac's side of it of, you know, it's pick 51, you know, the yep. odds of you catching lightning in a bottle are, are pretty slim right there. Very it's true. happened maybe a handful of times ever. And so why not take a guy that, you know, his ceiling's not very high, but, you know, maybe he's got a decent floor. And and we don't really know what that floor is going to be with Garza because you don't know athletically what he's going to be exactly, able to do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, with, with his size and and – what he done at the college level, maybe you think, okay, he done this on the college level. Maybe some of this will translate, but there's been plenty of bigger body guys at the college level. Tyler Hansborough comes to mind, dominant at UNC. Yeah. And then he was only a role player for a few years in the NBA. He just didn't, didn't it didn't translate. So, True. you know, and, there, and there's he, the, wasn't, he wasn't huge. Like yeah. that, that was another thing with him too. Um, yeah. I, I would say more athletic than Luca Garza, but sure. didn't shoot as well. Um, yeah, like I, I get it. Like it, it's, it's, it, when you're at 51, you like, you take a guy who you think is going to come in, fit with your team and, uh, somebody, you know, you kind of have a vision for, which I, I see with you, Isaac, with Luca Garza. Um, and then the other thing with the Grizz is that they are in need of shooting. Like that is something that they've needed for the past few years. So I, I, I can understand like, really wanting somebody to come in and be able to stretch the floor. Like 
Um, you know, you like you have Jaron, who's been fantastic at a high volume when he's playing. Yeah, but, yeah. You, you could certainly use a, a little bit more of uh, um, stretching the floor. I, I would say, like from pretty much every position on the roster. Definitely, man. We're really good stuff, man. Hopefully, we'll be welcoming Chris Duarte to to Bluff, Bluff City that next Thursday night. But absolutely <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, man, but, but, but gonna put you on a hot seat before we get out of here, man. Tonight, NBA Finals, Game Six. Do the the Bucks close it out, or does Phoenix force a Game Seven? Is Scott Foster refereeing this game? <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Milwaukee's going to be pretty happy tonight. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like the Bucks are going to close it out. Um, I honestly want them to because for selfish reasons, I have um, – there's an exhibition game going on in, in Eugene on Thursday. <laughs> um, it's the Always Us TBT team. And oh, they're okay. going to be playing some Oregon alumni – um, and I believe one of them may be a Grizzly, so I'm crossing my fingers for that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I might get to see Dylan Brooks play at Mac Court on Thursday. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, awesome. I think Milwaukee's going to close it out tonight. And uh, Scott Foster, I, I don't think, helps matters for Phoenix. Yeah, man, I've, I've, I've seen like I'm in the, in the extreme minority, man. Everybody, I, I said Phoenix is going to force a game seven. I just got a gotta feeling that, that, that Chris Paul is going to come out and, and, and redeem himself. He's had some... Some struggles here of late. I just find it hard to be that he's going to go out like that. But, I mean, the Bucks have been they figured something out, man. They've won three in a row, so we'll see. I'm, I'm excited about yeah. the game tonight, man. But before we Is get Drew out of here. Is Drew Holiday going to, like, be as yeah. insane as he was in game And, that, and that's the thing that, that, that you've seen with the Bucks, uh, their, their role players, uh, Holiday and, and Milton, haven't always shown up. Now, they've been good for yeah. a few games now, but we've seen that they can be up and down. So, I mean, they're going to need those final performances, I think, to pull it out tonight. And I just got a feeling that the Suns are going to find one way, some way to eke one out of here, and we're going to be talking about a game seven. But before we get out of here, man. they did that on the road, right? Yeah. Like, that was the other yeah, thing. Yeah, I, like, I know, couldn't believe it, man. I like, They shocked yeah. me, man. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought Phoenix would come out like a house of fire and then really, really win that one. But uh, Bucks came in there, man. Great wasn't game. the storm Was the storm early, man. Were able to pull that one out in Phoenix, man. Really and crazy play at the end by Drew Holiday, man, it passed for the Fantastic dunk to, to Giannis, man. It's yeah. uh, what about that block uh, in, in game four, man? In just, game four, yeah. The, I mean, that's yeah, yeah it's just one of, the, one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen, man. Legendary. Just good, yeah. good stuff, man. But again, man, before we get out of here, man, let, let people know where they can find you on Twitter. I'm NBA Draft Mikey V. Um, Viseland is at Viseland V I S E L A N D. And then you can find my work at Pro Insight. We have a lot of great work about the NBA draft, up and coming high school players. We have our Q&A series, we have videos, and we have PI Pulse, which is our written work. So yeah, um, the last event that I went to was the Pangos All-American Camp in uh, Las Vegas. And I had a long article about a number of prospects from that camp. So yeah, feel free to check out Perspective Insight and check out Viseland. Yeah, man. Make sure you go out and check my guy out, man. He really knows his stuff. Always enjoy his insight. Thank you for taking a little time to join us today. We'd definitely like to have you back on in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'd love to be back on. It was great talking with you guys. Yeah, man. We're going to go ahead and get out of here, man. Again, great stuff. Uh, make sure you go over to at Hoopball Grids. Give us a follow. We really appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. You can follow my man David Williams at Will. Uh, we'll be back later this week with more draft coverage. Continuing all draft all the time here at New Ball. And until next time, we're gone. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.